Integrity. Integrity is the nothing personal word of the day. This is it. Show one of 2021. I was thinking all weekend with New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. I was thinking, by the way, I don't know how many days I can say Happy New Year. I generally think that this is probably the last day, January 4th. I'm just remembering that 2020 was the first in my life, the first 36-month year and the first 30-day year. And I know that as you get older, people say the years go faster, time goes faster. Something about 2020 was just different. But it's 2021, January 4th. I missed one day last week, and I was telling Coca over the weekend, it made me despondent. So happy to be back with you here on Nothing Personal. Word of the day's integrity. Let's start with the NFL. Where is the integrity? Where is it? Competitive integrity, COVID integrity, player integrity, owner integrity, coach integrity, competitive. Let's go back to competitive integrity. That is a key word that commissioners use and owners use. I used to love using that word. The integrity of the game is at play when I would call Joe Torrey when there'd be a missed call at the plate or there'd be a problem when I thought the Marlins were not being treated fairly. I would always invoke the I word. That's, I don't want to start with hyperbole this early in the year. I don't want to say always, but almost always. You are ruining the integrity of the sport by calling out our player, by suspending our player, by assigning this umpire staff. Competitive integrity is what commissioners use, and and, uh, they use it to say this. The most important thing that we offer to you, our fans, is that you've got the hope every single year that your team can make the playoffs and that every city will have a team that will be able to compete week in and week out with the utmost of integrity. Well, week 17 had a bunch of matchups that were critical for the playoffs. Let's start with the NFC least. That crazy division that we've talked about all season long with the Dallas Cowboys. I had a lot of fun on Twitter this weekend talking about Jerry Jones, the owner, and Jerry Jones, the GM. What was the owner saying to the GM? What was the GM saying to the owner? They had to beat the Giants yesterday to have any shot at the playoffs. And then they had a hope for some help later on in the night. Well, the Giants in a game in the first half, if you watch the Giants-Cowboys game, not sure what the quality of football was because it looked like Pop Warner. Anemic offense, lack of interesting creative playmaking, just boring, boring football to the point where the commentators were, they had to acknowledge it. We would always, quick side note, Coca, when we were a bad team, we would meet with our broadcasters and go through things that they can and cannot talk about so as not to make fun of how crappy the product is and the fact that we had no chance to win a particular game or a particular series or be competitive at all. And in baseball, you're doing a game every night. It's super hard. We had something that was called the 10-run rule. We had that in the front office. The 10-run rule meant that if we were ever winning or losing by 10 runs, we were allowed to have a cocktail. But on TV, the Marlins had something called the 10-run reel, which is when they would just 
show bloopers or talk about inane, ridiculous stuff because the game was such a blood and the team was so bad that you had to find something to keep an audience engaged. So the Cowboys is not exactly, they're not doing well. And guess what happens? What happens is it gets better in the second half, but the Cowboys lose to the Giants. So the Giants have a chance to make the playoffs. The Cowboys are eliminated. Jerry Jones is despondent beyond repair. I don't think he's going to fire Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy has earned the benefit of his second season. I do believe that Jerry Jones needs to make a change and figure out what to do in terms of how he runs his team. I just don't know whether he will, even though it was an end of year, either prediction or wait to see. So as a Giants fan, which I am unabashedly, I'm watching the Eagles play the Redskins and I'm trying to understand internally as I return to my fandom three years after running a team for the last time, thinking to myself, I just can't even believe that I have to root for the Eagles. So I'm watching the Eagles and I'm watching Al Michaels struggle, not calling them the Redskins, even though they're now the Washington football team, thinking about the fact that I've called them by the wrong name a plethora of times here on Nothing Personal. And I'm watching this game and I'm thinking, God, the I, I can't root for the Eagles, but I have to because if the Eagles win, the Giants are in the playoffs and they actually host a playoff game, believe it or not, because of the insanity of putting a premium on winning the division, which should have a premium. You wouldn't expect a division like the NFC East to be so bad. I mean, so bad. So the game is going on. Jalen Hurts is playing. We've talked numerous times about Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. I didn't know there was another quarterback on the Eagles. It was Carson Wentz. It was Jalen Hurts. Wentz was signed to that long-term deal. He then gets benched. In comes Hurts. Wentz says, I want to get traded. Hurts is helping the Eagles. They're only down 17-14. It's sort of a defensive struggle. Giants fans are all excited. And then I look and I literally went to the bathroom to get rid of my taco salad. And I come back and Hertz has a jacket on. So I don't pay the extra $17.99 a month or a month to have DVR. So I don't have rewind capability because my view is I can watch anything I want to watch on the on demand. So I don't need to rewind or press pause on something that's live. So I have no way to go back and see why Jalen Hurts has a coat on, but it's the kind of coat that you put on when you're not going to play, not the kind of coat you put on when it's zero degrees and you're resting while your defense is on the field like they do at Lambeau. This looked like the kind of coat that meant he was not playing. So I assumed that Jalen Hurts got hurt. So I put the volume up, which I do from time to time when watching games, but very rarely. But Al Michaels is always an exception. And I come to find out that Doug Peterson, the coach of the Eagles, had pulled Jalen Hurts in a 17-14 game with huge playoff implications. So my first reaction is, He's obviously tanking. So I quickly discovered that if the Eagles lose, they would get the sixth pick, sixth pick in the draft this coming offseason. If they win the game, they get the ninth pick. Big whoop. As a Giants fan, what I actually figured was happening is that Doug Peterson had been told and agreed early on that they were not winning this game that they were going to give Danny Snyder a break. Why he deserves a break, I have no idea. But give the Washington football team the division and screw the Giants. After the game, 
Doug Peterson said something that defied all credibility. Yes, I was coaching to win. Uh, yes, that was my decision solely. Um, Nate has uh, obviously been here for uh, four years, um, and uh, I felt that uh, he, he deserved an opportunity to, uh, to, get, some, to get some snaps. And um, um, listen, uh, if, if there's anything out there that, that thinks that I was not trying to win the game, I mean, you know, Ertz is out there, Brandon Graham's out there, Darius Slay's out there. You know, all our top guys are still on the field at the end. So uh, we were, we were going to win the game. Hold on, let me look. I'm looking through the rule book. Hold on, I don't see anything about that. Oh, Doug, what are you talking about? Explain to me that you're telling me that no one told you to do what you did and you were trying to win. And because a guy's been there four years, you're going to give him snaps? That's got to be in here somewhere. Four years, if a player's on a team for four years, that means he's earned the right by definition to get in a, Hold on. This is section G of rule 69, part seven, paragraph two, sentence one. Any player who's been on a team for four years has earned the right to join a game for an undetermined number of snaps only when it is week 17 or the final week of any regular season and it's a game within three points that if you win, the team you're playing gets eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, I do see it. That's what. That's the reason. Hey, I got a word for you guys. It's called Herb Williams. We would sit in Madison Square Garden watching the Knicks back in the 90s, cheering for Herb Williams. Before that, We'd cheer for Eddie Lee Wilkins, the New York Knicks player. We wanted him to get in the game the way the Heat people want Udonis Haslam to get in the game. When do those guys get in the game? It's called GT, garbage time. That's when you put in a player who otherwise would not be in the rotation, would not play other than everybody above him getting hurt. And I mean hurt to the point where literally they can't walk. That's when those players get in the game. Not because you've been in for the league for four years and you felt you wanted to get them some snaps. That's the time. Coca, I may be wrong here. Could you help me? Were the Eagles ever during the regular season up or down by three touchdowns or even two touchdowns at the end of a game? I'm just curious. Maybe the Eagles went the entire season and played all close games and there was no opportunity. And maybe he had promised the four string quarterback that he would get into a game because the four string quarterback or third string quarterback had pictures of Dougie with a goat. But for Doug to take the microphone after the horse shit season that the Eagles had and say, and when he's holding on for dear life for his job, to his job, and say, he's been in the league four years. We wanted to give him snaps. It's outrageous. It literally is outrageous. Just last week, Coke has reminded me, 
The Eagles lost 37-17 to the Cowboys. Now, Coca, was it 2017 with three minutes left and then the Cowboys scored 17 unanswered in the last two minutes on an interception return for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, and a 70-yard uh, play that led to a field goal? Because then that would be a very close game. But apparently it was 30-17 to 17 with six minutes left, Coca's telling me. So that's still sort of in the game. But what about giving him a few snaps at the end of that game, Doug? I'm not angry because I'm a Giants fan. I'm upset with the words he said after the game. If you wanted to give him snaps, start him. Raise your hand and say, I don't want the Washington football team to win the division. But if we happen to play a good game, I'm resting Jalen Hurts. He's played more than I expected him to play. You're right. I'm playing Darius Slay and a bunch of other good guys on defense. But I really don't want to risk Hurts. We've got our eyes set on 2021. We're going to play Nate. What's his name? Nate Skibold. I don't even know his name. He's a third string quarterback. Whatever his name is. Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld. Okay. It's outrageous. I think Doug Peterson should get fired for that. Coca disagreed with me during our pregame discussion of the show. He said Doug Peterson was just doing his job. And all you do, David, is talk about how important it is to do your job. Doug Peterson did his job. They wanted the sixth pick, not the ninth pick. He's complimented. Jeffrey Lurie is thrilled. Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles. Well, it's, uh, why do we call it Black Monday, Coca? I don't like that expression. We come up with a new expression, not because of race. Oh, it's like Black Friday. I don't even know what that means. Is Black Friday when you go shopping or when you're not supposed to go shopping? Anyway, Black Monday is a word given. I don't know if it's given by CBS or just here on Nothing Personal, but Coca said that we have to be aware because NFL coaches get fired on the day after the regular season. Well, just right now, Doug Marone has been fired by the Jaguars. They've got the first pick in the draft. Okay. Why did the Jaguars fire him? The Jaguars almost got the Dolphins into the playoffs. The Jaguars tried hard to beat the Colts yesterday. They went one in 15. They tanked for Tua. Well, it's not Tua. It's taking for Trevor. Fired. So the second pick in next year's draft is Adam Gase. We told you Adam Gase would get fired. Fired. The seventh pick is the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia. Fired. The fourth pick is the Atlanta Falcons. I think that could be Dan Quinn fired. They've got an opening. I think the Texans have an opening. They've got an interim coach. One, two, three, four, five openings out of 32 teams right off the bat. Is that it for the firings? Let's go back to the Jets firing of Adam Gase. Can we talk about that for one minute? Since it was the worst kept secret of all time. So here's how firing managers works and coaches. We would rarely wait. And I say rarely because we fired so many. We would rarely wait till after the regular season to make a decision. We would know what we were going to do because we would start the process of collecting names, getting a list together just so we could pretend we were following the Selig rule when we knew exactly who we were going to hire each time. Word came out on Friday night or Saturday night in a tweet from an NFL insider, two of them with millions of followers, that the Jets, after their game against the Patriots, were going to fire Adam Gase. 
Now, if they had paid attention to nothing personal or anyone who's paid attention to nothing personal, we knew back in God knows how long ago that Adam Gase was not going to coach in 2021. As far back as June of this year, which you'll hear about later in the show when we cover some wait to sees, but Adam Gase had no chance of coaching in 21. So the Giants lose a bunch of games. All of a sudden, they win a couple in a row after being undefeated, and then the leak comes out. The reason why we don't like when leaks come out about a manager being fired is because even I didn't want to disrespect a manager that way. What we would do is say, we're not retaining you or we're going to let you go. Do you want to manage the last game? We would do that with coaches as well. When there was a hitting coach or a pitching coach, we would say, we're moving on for you at the end of the season. Your choice, you can pack it up and go home or you can coach these last two games of the season. We would always try to meet with the player, with the coaches the last weekend of the season. So Adam Gase is told that he's fired. There's no way that it was leaked by the team to the NFL insiders without Gase finding out. It's just not necessary. So the game ends against the Patriots. They lose 28-14, yada, yada, yada. They get the second pick. And all of a sudden, Chris Johnson has a statement ready to go. And he says specifically in it, this evening, I informed Adam Gase he will no longer serve as the head coach of the Jets. So the way statements work, and this was a pretty lengthy statement that the Jets released with their chairman, Christopher Johnson, who, by the way, may only be the chairman until January 20th, when Woody Johnson, the actual owner, gets kicked out of England because when there's a new president, which there will be on January 20th, all the ambassadors who are political appoint- who are non-political appointees, meaning they are friends of the president, those ambassadors basically pack up their crap, get on a plane, and they're back home. So Woody Johnson's coming back to New York. Ostensibly, he could go back to running the Jets or he could keep the team having Chris run the Jets, who is his brother. So Chris, as chairman and CEO, says this evening, I informed Adam Gase he will no longer serve as the head coach of the Jets. During his time here, I had the pleasure to get to know Adam and his wonderful family. That's always put in these statements and makes me laugh. Who cares? Is that a criteria? I like uh, whenever you read statements of of, uh, fired coaches, we wish him and his family nothing but the best. Well, if you wish him nothing but the best, then why would you fire him after two and 14 season after only two years when your team stinks? But you always have to say, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Adam and his wonderful family, and I wish them nothing but the best going forward. Now, 1-800-47-COBRA. That's how you wish your employees the best after you fire them. You give him the direct line to Cobra. He then goes on saying, well, my sincere intentions are to have stability in our organization. Thank God he used the adjective sincere. Here's a little note, Chris. Don't put sincere in a press release because your intentions should always be to have stability. Don't say it's your sincere intentions because then by definition, when you do things that don't lead to stability, it means that maybe you weren't so sincere after all. It's clear the best decision for the Jets is to move in a different direction. No, that's pretty clear from the opening press conference when Adam Gase was first hired. And then you said you're not firing him because he's doing great. How did that go? We knew there was work to be done, yada, yada, yada. Okay, then we get to the critical part 
of every statement when you fired your head coach. To our fans, we're talking to you because we want you to keep investing in us. We want you to keep coming to games. It is obvious we have not been good enough. If it's so obvious, Chris, then don't say it. It goes without saying that we have not been good enough. Then don't say it. We are committed to building a strong organization on and off the field. Thank God. I was worried that the owner of the Jets was committed to building a weak organization on and off the field. We will continue to provide the necessary resources to field a team that you can be proud of. Here's how I would like that statement to have ended. Starting now, every decision that I make on behalf of this team will be the exact opposite of what I would normally do in deciding what the direction of the team should be. If I want to hire John Doe, I am definitely not hiring John Doe. If I want to approve the signing of a free agent defensive end, I guarantee you we will not sign that defensive end. If we want to draft a quarterback because I like the way he looks and he's got a wonderful family, I promise you today as chairman and CEO of the Jets, we will not draft that quarterback. I'm worked up about the Jets. I want them to be better. You know, getting your quarterback of the future, which the Jets have in Sam Darnold, have the Jets had a good quarterback since Mark Sanchez Coca? Like, has anyone been good since Sanchez led them to the AFC Championship and then all of a sudden he got bad because didn't he fumble one off his ass or something? And then that was the end of his career. And then they may not have even been to the playoffs since then, right, Coca? So they have not been to the playoffs in 10 years. So that's the longest streak. What, Coca? I can't hear you. No, no, you unmute yourself. Oh, it's now the longest streak since the Browns made the playoffs since 2002. By the way, congratulations to the Browns. That was big. They hadn't made the playoffs since 2002. That's a long time. They're back in the playoffs. So getting a franchise quarterback and tanking for that quarterback is not easy. The Dolphins, remember when they tanked for Tua, they were going to get the number one pick. They ended up with number five pick. Tua hurt his hip. Tua goes to the Dolphins. Fitzpatrick is the starter. Then Tua plays a bunch of games, but then he stinks. So they bring him out in the fourth quarter. And then Brian Flores says, no, Fitzpatrick is our relief guy. He's our closer. I think we did a whole segment on that. Well, Tua had a play because Fitzmagic got COVID. So Tua had a play in a must-win game yesterday. And I cannot remember who the Dolphins played. They played the Buffalo Bills and they got killed. I want to say it was like 56-19. And Tua looked the way our Horace Mann high school quarterbacks would look. He just looked overmatched in every single way. So now... Dolphin Twitter and people in Miami, the media generally are saying, do we give up on Tua? Do we need to draft a quarterback with the number three pick? We've got the number three pick because the Houston Texans stink and we got their pick and we have all this draft capital, second only to the Jaguars. Do we need to start over? Do we need to compliment? Our defense got better. Brian Flores, we think we finally found our coach, but now we need a quarterback because Tua, he doesn't throw the ball down the field. Is it his hip? Is it his height? Blah, blah, blah. When you have a quarterback who is your franchise quarterback, you may be wrong, but you don't decide it after the season Tua had in 2020. 
Tua, by all accounts, should not even have played this season, in my opinion. And the fact that he did, and then Brian Flores would bench him, and Tua had to meet the media and say, I agree with Brian Flores. We want to give our our team the best chance to win. I am supportive of Fitzpatrick. All the things that made Tua such a good teammate and such a good public-facing representative of the Dolphins, that is what is called slowing your development. The equivalent in baseball is when you call up your best prospect and there's a man on third, one out in the bottom of the ninth and you're down a run and you need to get that run driven in and he's at the plate and he's there because he's got an above average bat that you think is going to be an all-star potential bat and you know what you do? Actually, that's the expression if you're watching this on YouTube for bringing in a bullpen. You actually go and you go like this. This is what managers do if you're not watching. They put their finger. This is called something, Coca, like the come here gesture with your pointer. You pull them off and you pinch hit for them. That's not helpful for the development of a hitter. A hitter has to be in circumstances where he's got to perform so he can see whether or not he can do it. He can get confidence and you, your evaluators can see whether you did it right. Tua needed to be at the in at the end of games. He needed to have an opportunity to develop. You've got to wait through the entirety of 2021. And that's before you even have a kernel of a thought that you made a mistake with Tua. Because if you give up on Tua now, you just have to fire Chris Greer, the GM. Just fire him. Or if you're the owner and you demand that, on, <clears throat> that you pick Tua, fire yourself. Because you can't stand behind a pick that you've made and then change courses that quickly. Because when you do, that makes you simply a crappy organization. And the Dolphins are trying not to be that. They've been that for so long. They're trying to turn over a new leaf. So for all of you Dolphin fans out there, I guess I would just say this. You're going to see Tua all year next year. And it's going to be better for the Dolphins than if they draft a quarterback with the number three pick. Well, all of that that went on in week 17 was not what bothered me the most. Go ahead, Coca. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. It's the first So You Want to Talk to Samson of the new year. We're going to keep this segment going in 2021 because it's a fun segment. This is when you get on my Twitter at David P. Samson, D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N. Ask a question and I will try to answer it during a segment. So you want to talk to Samson. Here's the question. Love your pod, by the way. That's a great way to start to have your question be read by me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not looking for psychophants. You can actually start your question with, you suck. Do front offices try influencing coaches to make decisions based on bonus opportunities? Yes. Thank you for asking. Let's go through what happened yesterday. Let's start with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is a wide receiver, plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady in the final two minutes of a blowout game, did three completed shovel passes to Antonio Brown to get him to 45 receptions, which was an incentive level in his contract that gave Antonio Brown $250,000. How about Emmanuel Sanders of the Saints? 
Drew Brees targeted him 13 times. He caught eight of them. Well, he needed to catch eight. He only had 63 yards. But guess what he has? $500,000 by getting those eight receptions. None of them are as bad as what Russell Wilson did. Russell Wilson has a receiver named David Moore. David Moore needed a hundred grand bonus. All he had to get was 35 receptions. He was stuck on 34. Game running out. Russell Wilson calls for and executes a little dink touch pass that I could have completed to Coca to give David Moore a hundred grand. Leonard Floyd of the St. Louis Rams. My guess is they're not the St. Louis Rams anymore. The Los Angeles Rams. He needed a half a sack to make an extra 1.25 million. I don't blame the Rams for that. Probably the offensive lineman who we beat to get the sack. Where am I headed with this? I'm going to answer your question. You know I carry around in my black bag every contract of every player with every level of incentives. In baseball, it's mostly based on at-bats. 250 at-bats, you get this. 350 at-bats, you get that. Pitchers, 75 innings pitched. 30 starts, 20 starts. Other pitchers have games finished incentives. A game finished is when you're on the mound at the end of the game or you're the last pitcher was on the mound the last time your team was on defense. It doesn't mean you got to save. It just means you finish the game. We would instruct our manager when we did not want a player to get an incentive or when we did. And the times that we did were very few and far between. When we would sign players to incentive-laden contracts, the way they were described is makeable and unmakeable. A makeable incentive is when you are paying a player to do that which he has done the previous year or the year before that. If a player has gotten 500 at-bats the previous two years, but not more, and you have a level of incentive where you will give the player an extra 250 grand to get 500 at-bats in a particular year, that's called a makeable incentive. If his next level is 600 at-bats and his career, he's never gotten an unmake that level of at-bats, that's called an unmakeable incentive. So I would carry around every level of incentive with a list of what the makeable incentives were and what the unmakeable incentives were. And if it were even close, I am not letting a player get an unmakeable incentive. I would be fine with the player getting a makeable incentive because when I'm doing the budget, I budget for makeable incentives in my payroll, in the payroll. I don't budget for unmakeable incentives. So therefore, I'm keeping copious track. What I would never allow is in the last game of a season. If we've got a starter who needs another start 
to get another level of incentive, he's not starting. If we need a player, if he needs one more game finished, the manager would know under penalty of firing that that player will not get a game finished. If there is a player who needs six more innings pitched, that player would only get five and then get pulled. Now, I don't want to make it that obvious. So when I know that a player needs 20 innings with three starts to go, I'm going to make sure that pitcher does not get 20 innings. I'm not going to wait to pull him in the fifth inning when he's got a no-hitter in the final start of his season. We keep track and we communicate with the front office. When you ask me, do front offices try to influence coaches to make decisions based on bonus opportunities? We don't try. What we say goes. If the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose name is Bruce, or the coach of the Seahawks, whose name is Pete, or the coach of the Saints, whose name is Sean, or the coach of the Rams, whose name is Sean, if they were not aware of these incentives, they need to be fired. I need to be fired if I didn't make them aware. Furthermore, if those coaches were not told about those incentives and told that those incentives should not be reached, then that is a president of a team who doesn't care about the owner's money. Next. It is a blow to the integrity of the game. Let me ask you this. How do you feel in basketball when a player needs a triple-double? And if they got one more triple-double, they would get a million extra dollars. And to get the triple-double, they need a rebound. So it's a breakaway layup. The player purposefully misses off the rim, clanks it, gets his own rebound, and then puts it in or doesn't put it in. And that's how he gets his triple-double. What you would say to me is, hey, the history books will show that was a triple-double. And I will say to you, that guy's not in the game to give himself the opportunity. People are saying all over the inter-Google right now, Tom Brady takes care of his guys. Ownership of the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Glazer family, they want what's best for their players. Russell Wilson took care of his guys. Lest you think, by the way, that Tom Brady and Russell Wilson were not aware of the incentives. Do you know how much players keep track of their own incentives? Every day, they know exactly how much more of something they need to get to their next level of pay. Wouldn't you, if that were your contract, wouldn't you? Of course, the players are going to take care of each other, but I'm in charge of who's on the field. Guess who's not in the game in the last two minutes of a game against the Jets that didn't matter a lick. You're still going on the road to play the NFC East champion. Antonio Brown. Guess who's not in the game to get his 35th reception, David Moore. It's just not happening. (sighs) That's my answer. I appreciate that, by the way. I appreciate you asked that. It's it's not a popular position I'm taking because you think it's anti-player, but it's actually a total business position. Why would you... Now, keep in mind that if by chance that 
we needed to make the playoffs or we were in a playoff game or it was like a playoff game, like what the Cowboys Giants game was. I want my best guys out there. If the last start of the season, the guy needed six innings and we need to win that game to make the playoffs or to win a wild card, it is way worth a $250,000 incentive or a $100,000 incentive to make the playoffs way worth it. But in a game that doesn't matter, it's just not. Thanks for the question. When we come back, I watched eight episodes of a show called Bridgerton. I'm going to review it. I watched a bunch of stuff during the break. We are also going to get to a lot of wait to seize because it's been a very informational end of NFL season. We'll be right back here on Nothing Personal. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson, and you have come to nothing personal with David Sampson and Matt Coca in 2021, January 4th, first show back, although all we missed was one day. Hope you enjoyed the mailbag bonus episodes from the end of the end of the year. A few resolutions, a few predictions. And you know that I watch a movie or TV series. Had time during the break to watch Bridgerton, although it took a day. I binged eight episodes, one hour each of Bridgerton. That is a uh, a show that takes place in the 1800s in England, in London, starring Phoebe Dynevor. And it is a Shonda Rhimes production, Shonda Rhimes, Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. She has a new deal with Netflix, and she is the executive producer of this show where everyone dresses up like George Washington, and their job is to get their daughters married. That's all they do. The whole show is about getting your daughter married while Perez Hilton is writing a gossip newspaper talking about what's going on in society. And the show is about finding out who the mysterious gossip writer is, who the women are going to marry, and then whether or not the marriages will be successful. There is huge diversity. The queen is black. The duke is black. The cabinet is black, not like the way Hamilton did it. It's Shonda Rhimes doing a show reflecting what she believes could have been, should have been back in those times. And I fell hook, line, and sinker. 
it took about one episode to get into it because I couldn't understand what anyone was saying because I'm all into British shows now and I'm enjoying them, but it takes me a minute to understand. Coca hated it because there was too much sex. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to let you marinate on how that's possible that that's Coca's reaction. There are tremendously phenomenal sex scenes between Phoebe Dinevor, but they're not gratuitous. They are meant to move the story forward. It is acting. The act of sex is meant to symbolize what is going on in the relationship where so often the man and the woman back in those days choose to live separate lives. Where having an heir is more important than anything else. Coca's view has always been on this, that he views sex scenes as lazy. And he said to me, you know, people put in sex scenes when they can't figure out what to say. I don't know if Coca's aware of this, but you can actually talk with your body. It's called body language. It's called like love language, where you can say a lot during sex more so than you can during dialogue. This is not like the 80s. When you go back and watch an 80s movie like Animal House, which I rewatched over the break, and do you know that there are, there was part of the contract to get Animal House made, part of the contract to get Valley Girl made back in the day with Nicolas Cage. There had to be a certain number of bare breasts. That's why every once in a while, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, every once in a while, you're looking around, and, oh my God, there's bare breasts. That's part of the movie making process. That's not the case anymore, Coca. In order for Shonda Rhimes to get a deal done, she can put on a corset, have the corset stay on and make sure that every inch of flesh is covered and she can make that show. The sex scenes in Bridgerton are for a reason. I think you got to watch this show to figure out whether or not love matters, to figure out whether or not, you know what? I'm going to leave it at that, Coco. If you are a father whose only goal is to get your daughter married, is that a reflection of the time? Are there people still doing that today? Do arranged marriages work? Do they have to work? Does love matter? Do you have to like your spouse? Do you have to resign yourself to a life of absolute silence and discomfort? I don't know. I hope not. Bridgerton. Okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. That's when we pick a game. Do you remember we ended the season 39 and 39 because we were done because we were so cold and then we came back one, two in a row. 41 and 39 is how we ended that part of 2020. We said the Bucks would rebound from losing to the Knicks and crush the heat, which they did. Well, guess what? It's 2021, we're starting at zero and zero. And here we are. The pick of the day, first pick of the year. Did you watch Steph Curry last night? 62 points. Steph Curry was the old Steph Curry, the pre-injured Steph Curry. Made me remember longingly for when the Warriors were so good. Guess what? They play again tonight. The Kings are giving two and a half to the Warriors. The Kings with Marvin Bagley, the guy who wants to get traded because his father tweeted it. Well, I got a sure thing to start the year. We're taking the Kings minus two and a half. The Warriors going back to back is not good. Steph Curry is not the Steph Curry of old. That's my pick of the day. Kings minus two and a half. Okay, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. We try to put that in each show. 
I talk about something, say, hey, something's going to happen. Wait to see. But like every other talking head in this crowded podcast and sports media landscape, for which I appreciate the fact that you've let me carve out this niche with you for the past 283 episodes. What makes me different is I will always revisit wait to sees that you may not even remember. On November 14th, 2019, over a year ago, I said that the NFL for this upcoming draft would implement a lottery system so that there would be no more tanking. They didn't do it. That was a no. I got that one wrong. Only 11 days later, on November 25th, 2019, there was a lot of talk about Colin Kaepernick and why he wasn't playing. This was November of 19. And I told you, wait to see. Colin Kaepernick will not get a snap in the NFL in 2019 or in 2020. That was a full year plus wait to see. The NFL season ended yesterday. Colin Kaepernick did not get a professional snap. And I told you why he wouldn't. And the reason was that not only was he a persona non grata. That's not the word. I can't think of the word right now. I'm having an early morning moment. I've got those. You'll get to know that on Nothing Personal if you're new to the show. No NFL team is signing him because of off the field, in the locker room, on the field. He's done. On December 17th of 2019, that's over a year ago, Drew Brees threw a touchdown pass. He passed Tom Brady. And I said, wait to see. Drew Brees will forever stay ahead of Tom Brady in the all-time touchdown passing list. Well, here we are at the end of 2020, and guess what? There's a new leader in the all-time touchdown passing list because Tom Brady, at the age of 43, threw 40 touchdown passes. Drew Brees got hurt. Tom Brady is now up 581 to 571. Wait to see. Nope. On April 16th of 2020, when Tom Brady was with the Buccaneers and there was all that talk of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I went all in on the Patriots. I said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win fewer games than the Patriots in 2020. That's all the way back before the season started last April. Guess what? I was wrong. Tom Brady had a phenomenal year. The Patriots suck. That's a no on a wait to see. Then the draft happened April 24th of 2020, and I said... All these people all excited about Tua, the Dolphins drafting Tua. You wait to see. Justin Herbert will find a way to play in 2020 for the Los Angeles Chargers, and he will end up with more TD passes than Tua. That was April 24th of 2020. Guess what? It wasn't even close. Herbert, 31 to 11 over Tua. That's a yes. Five days later, Winston, Jameis Winston signed with the Saints. And I said on April 29th of 20, two bits of news happened, and it was a wait to see. One, Jameis Winston will have zero touchdowns and zero interceptions in 2020. That's a yes. The season just ended. He was a donut for both. That same day, Manny Ramirez came out and said he wants to play professional baseball again. And I said he will not play a professional inning. He signed with the Australian Baseball League. That's a professional league. 
he was going to play. He was there ready for training camp. Everything's going great. The 48-year-old Manny Ramirez, and then poof, like Kaiser frickin' Soze, he disappeared. Not one at-bat in a professional inning. That's a yes, a double yes from April 29th. June 26, 2020. June 26th, I told you Adam Gase would not see 2021 as coach of the Jets. Wait to see. That was a yes. On September 22nd, 2020, I told you that Brian Cashman will not be the GM of the Mets in 2021. I'm giving myself the yes on that. They've got Sandy Alderson. They've got Jared Porter. They've got the assistant GM, Cashman. That was when there was a rumor that came out that Steve Cohn was going after Cashman. And I said, nope, not going to happen. Then on October 21st, 2020, my sister's birthday, when Jerry Jones was going through one of his episodes, I said, the Cowboys will not win the NFC East. They didn't. That's a yes. And then right before the break on December 21st, right when the Jaguars had lost another game and the Jets had, for whatever reason, won a game they shouldn't have won, I said the Jaguars will get the first pick in the NFL draft, not the Jets. That is a yes for those keeping track at home from that wait to see. When I'm going through these wait to sees, I'm not embarrassed when they're a no. I don't gloat when they're a yes. I'm here to give you accountability because here on nothing personal, it's just business. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.